0: Hello, hello, hello! This is the forty-fifth edition of the Mental Threads podcast. I'm here with my guest, Dr. Roger Heath. If you'd like to say something,
1: good morning. Uh, thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Hopefully, we can indulge in some meatful conversation today.
0: And thank you for hopping on, Dr. Heath. Like I know you've we pretty much known each other since 2018. I think uh, I didn't. I didn't really like start off with like cohort nine or whatever. I think I was just kind of like wedged in or whatever. I think David Dickens was the main person that kind of got me into the whole Men's Achievement Center. I've just kind of been walking in and out. And it's kind of been a very, very good environment really like in, in terms of like getting me connected with the campus as a whole and stuff of that nature. And I just wanna know, it's just like, what really led you to like pretty much get to this point where you pretty much established the Men's Achievement Center and stuff of that nature?
1: Well, I wouldn't say I established it. I mean, the Men's Achievement Center been here since 2009. So it started out as the Centennial Scholars. Then it transitioned a few times through different directors. And so when I came in, I looked at all the mistakes that the previous directors, and I wouldn't call them mistakes, but I'll say some of the things they didn't do or some areas they could have been better at. And I created what we have now, which is the Men's Achievement Center and African-American Male Initiative. And it seems that you have a
0: huge interest in terms of trying to develop young black males within uh, the collegiate age and stuff of that nature. What pretty much like drives you to want to be that guy to kind of like lead us into like the future and stuff of that nature?
1: Uh, I, I think for me, I was that guy, right? I was a—you might see the doctor in front of my name, but I was straight up in the streets, no guidance because I kind of jumped off the porch early, around the age of 11. I was taking care of myself. You know, my dad wasn't around. My mom was in and out on drugs, you know. So for me, my grandparents were older, so I had to learn early. And the streets taught me a lot. I'm not going to say all bad things came out the streets, but so for me, my goal was to help young black men for making some of them, st- them same mistakes. I mean, I've been shot at. I've been locked up before. I mean, my 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 record, I don't have anything on my record, but I did some dumb things as a young teenager um, trying to be, you know, a grown man. I think for me, playing sports, I would say, kept me out of the streets full time. If I wasn't a football player and basketball player and I wasn't that good, if I wasn't that good at it, I probably wouldn't be sitting here today. So that kind of kept me busy and kept me motivated to try new things.
0: Oh, wow, that's wonderful. It's wonderful that you say that. I mean, it's just crazy how it's like it's like our talents is basically like what we need, like as black men to like, you know, liberate ourselves, like in society, when in actuality it's really just education. I feel like it has a more, a more of a stronger basis in terms of really liberating not just us, but even generations afterwards. And it's crazy that even you got shot at. I got shot at too, man. That's... I don't know why that happens so often, like just black youth and everything just getting shot at. It's just, it's not, it's it's really not fun at all, like they make it seem like so cinematic in the movies. I was, I was scared, man. But um, anywho, like I know you pretty much mentioned that, you know, you're pretty much struggling and I don't say struggling, but you're pretty much in the streets and in a place of adversity and so on. Yet somehow you managed to actually get your doctorates, um, which is a huge feat, especially for a black man. Um, I know we all possess like the intelligence and even like the spirit and heart to really reach these goals. But it always seems like it's just kind of like not something that a majority of us kind of seek out for in life. Um, what pretty much, what, what really drives you to really like, or drove you to actually get your doctorate in the first place, sir? Uh,
1: I think for me, when I found out that I was smart, like, and that's what I'm trying to show all black men, that you are smart. So when I really tapped in and realized that I was just as smart as everybody else. And so when I finished my undergrad, um, I was sitting at graduation one year, and they had called up all the people who had it, it was getting inducted, it was getting a doctorate degree. And I was just looking around. I'm like, I can do that. I done beat the streets. I done beat the odds. I done got a master's degree. I done graduated high school with a 1.9 GPA and made it all the way out. I said, I'm going to do it. And so it was a thought in my head. And, you know, when I got my master's and then one day I woke up and said, it's time. I'm, I'm going to be the first doctor in my family. I ain't know anymore. I had a few doctor friends in my fraternity, but nobody in my family. So I was like, I'm gonna set the standard for all the rest of these black boys that come through my family, so.
0: Okay, I know you mentioned family a whole lot, and you know, it's just like, in coming from a home where it's like, you feel like you kind of had to raise yourself, I understand, from the age of 11. Is that, that's pretty much how You gotta kind of raise yourself. And mm-hmm. um, it just, just, would you really define that as a broken home in a sense? Or would you just kind of say it, just, it just, just messed up and it's, it's just adversity?
1: Uh, I would say it depends how you define broken, right? So it was a broken home. Yes, my father went there and my mom was doing her thing. But I had grandparents, you know, they worked hard. They had a living situation, so I had a place to stay. But when your grandparent's trying to take care of 20-something grandchildren because they're they older, you get left out. You got to find a way to survive. You got to find your own pocket. So I just learned from my grandfather how to be a hustler. You know, he cut grass on the side. He worked for the city. So he was he was he worked there for 30, 35 plus years. My grandmother worked at a chicken plant for thirty five plus years. So they showed me what work ethic looked like, but they didn't have enough money to provide back to school clothes. Was Christmas time wasn't not no Christmas gifts, right? And so I knew then that I needed to make a change. So I you know started never sold crack or anything like that. You know uh, I must admit I you know marijuana was something that. I had an opportunity to get my hands on, you know, and try that for a while, right? And so I realized, I'm like, nah, I ain't trying to do this. I mean, and I was, I was dating a young lady at the time. Um, her dad had went to college. And so when I would go to their house, I would see his degrees on the wall, and I was like, man, I want to go to college. So, right? And so when I graduated high school, I got a scholarship to play football at Livingstone College. And when I got there... They put me in red shirt because my grades weren't good. and so, But I never touched the field because I quit before it was time. I quit that second semester. So I went back working in the factory for a, for a couple of years and just decided, man, one day I came to Durham. I had two suitcases and some wet clothes. That's all I had. I had never been to Durham before. I knew I wanted to make a change. Like I told you earlier, I had a gun pulled out on me. Seen my mom get shot, stabbed, killed. I was just tired, I was like, I, I was tired of that whole street mentality, you know, and I got some friends that are still there and I look at them now and I'm disappointed that they didn't try to get out too, but you know, everybody got their own life to live. But so when I got to Durham, met friends, met young ladies that helped me along the way, cause I struggled. Think about you. I've been out of school since 1999, then I come back to college in 2003, that's four years of just being away from education, so you know. The first English English papers were, were hell, you know. I never forget. My one of my college professors said, "What high school you go to?" Then I told her. She said, "They failed you. They they did you a disservice." Cause my papers were bad. I was just, you know, you know. I'm just turning in work. Got caught plagiarizing one year, and then it wasn't too central. kicked me out. That I realized what I had. The gym, right? They kicked me out of school. I went back home. And. uh As soon as I got back home, the first thing they did was offer me a blunt. Mm -hmm. It's like they was waiting for me to fail and come back. And I was like, I ain't never coming back. And I I hardly ever often go home now. I go to see my grandparents and see my family. But as far as like that city, I don't have nothing there. I left all my broken dreams and promises there. And I've been up here in Durham, Raleigh area ever since, grinding and trying to be the better person that I was then, right? So I left that broken little boy in Monroe, North Carolina. So all that to say is, man, with this program and the work I do with Ms. Center, I'm just trying to teach you that you can come to college and be a whole nother you. So if he was a knucklehead in college, you can change. Nobody ain't going to know. You can be the best. You can be a geek on college. Who going to know? Oh, mm-hmm. they know, well, he's smart, man, he in everything. But they, if they knew you in high school, they knew you was skipping class and all that. But that ain't their business, right? You can change your whole self, and that's okay. That's what college is for. Change who you are, become who you want to be. And so once I looked around and saw these people, I'm like, damn, bro, smart. All the ladies like him, he cool. He and student activity boy, SGA. I'm like, shoot, I can do this. So I just came in and took over. When I came in at 22 year old, I took over the whole school. I took over everything. Um, so... I know that's a long-winded question, but you're tapping into something right now.
0: I mean, you know, no, I feel like you pretty much answered pretty well, and you pretty much uh, touch on a whole lot of bases. Even I can relate to, man. Cause sort of before I came to Central and everything, I was in a very weird spot you know, where I really didn't know, like, what I was going to do or nothing. You know, high school, I really didn't care too much for high school. It's kind of a small trailer park type school, mm-hmm. and I really didn't get along with a lot of the teachers and everything and a lot of my peers also. So it was kind of hard to even ask for help or even ask for a pencil because it was just like they just always look down on you in all sorts of ways. I recall even being pulled out of class for no reason, being called like a waste of time and everything, like being kicked out of class for something as simple as like my teacher asking like where the ruler is or whatever. And it was a black ruler. I I pulled out a silver one, and he got offended and kicked me out because he felt like he could get away with it. So what did that
1: do to what did that do to your self
0: esteem? I mean, it's just it's really just. Like, the tip of the iceberg. It's a whole lot of stuff I had to deal with in high school, man. But it it really didn't help my self-esteem at all. And on top of that, it was just, like, you know, my folks weren't very, you know, supportive. Like, I know my father would be, like, supportive. But, you know, he was in Virginia at the time. I was staying with my mom. So it's just, like, you know, my mom's had this impression of me where it was, like, I was just lazy. I just didn't care. Despite they knew I was intelligent. But it was just, like, the problem was was just the environment. I didn't have no support at all. Well,
1: I think, you know, K-12... to they break minority males down, like they once they steal your black boy joy, or whatever race, Latinos, uh, Asian. Um, those those systems have a way to breaking you down and make you feel ostracized. Imagine, look at your high school and just imagine your head. We were broken down into pockets, right? You'll see the Asian kids over here. Um, when I was in school, wasn't a lot of Latinos in my school, so it was probably about twelve. And they always to be together. Then you had the black kids. Then you had the football players. But you know the white kids the room, the school like they just—it was theirs, you know—and and, and it was their space. And so once they steal that 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 black boy joy, they steal that joy of minority males. That's the problem. So the work I do here—and that's why I always have y'all dress up. I provide y'all with shirts and stuff to show you that. You joy, you fresh, you know, you you feel good, you look good, you think good, and go out here in the world and show them that we kicking ass. And so, it disappoints me when dudes don't want to buy into that. But hey, I can't make them all buy into it. But what I'm saying is, the system, the education system, needs some work. But if we don't get more black men out of here, or minority men, more minority males out here, in the atmosphere, it ain't gonna change. It's gonna get worse. Cause mm-hmm. imagine you graduate. And you're the only minority on the team or in the building. Like, what has changed? It's still gonna be these side, You're still gonna be the token black boy. What do you think? How you know they're gonna ask you all the black questions, uh, whatever your race is. But I'm saying we we have to change. If I don't think minority males can, we can't go another generation like this. Or the, if we don't get this right by 20 2030 2035. We're gonna be in some trouble, cause I feel like it's getting worse by the day. And minority males need to tap in and like that same. You mean to tell me you can, re- if you can memorize 200 plays playing running back, mm-hmm. you can come here and do some damn math. Mm. That's an excuse. Really? If you, you think about that, a black football coach can remember every play, every formation. Who need to be here? That's math. That's geometry. That's architect, That's a skill. So you can't translate them same skills in the classroom I don't believe it I don't care if you're not a 4.0 student because once you apply for that job nine times ten they're not asking what your GPA was they want to know the knowledge that you gained mm-hmm. although
0: GPA kind of helps kind of sets up the the indication that you know a whole lot no, you know? no, it kind of no, does but it doesn't really push it out on like I, a whole like experience. I would
1: have to I would have to disagree yeah. GPA doesn't yeah. because I might have learned something out of that class. And I got see. But the knowledge I, I learned out of, I'm taking with me. So I, I think we get caught up in GPA. GPAs are good. You want to go to grad school, you got to have a certain GPA. I get all that. But you want to know the last time that they asked me about a GPA? Uh, Once, sir. Nah, it not happened in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. So don't get caught up in a GPA. Education is not a 2.9, 2.0. It's what you can do with the knowledge in your field, your skills. Like... I, got, I had a 1.9. What if they would have said, you had a 1.9 in high school, now I got a doctorate. So if we're gonna go off of GPAs, I don't supposed to be here. So don't get don't go down that road. I think they put that on us. I mean, think about it. You got uncles that can you can take your car to his house, he'll put it up under that tree. It ain't been to nobody's school. No technical school, but he can fix that car better than the Joker. So tell me what GPA did he need?
0: No, no, it's the GPA
1: right? of experience, man. That's you what know. I'm saying. So don't get caught in the numbers game. Mm-hmm. Same thing with S, uh, SAT scores, ACT, it's the numbers. Some students do better at testing, some don't. But some students, I've seen students, I had a nephew graduated high school with a 4.5 GPA. Mm-hmm. Went to college at, at uh, UNC, I mean uh, ECU. Mm-hmm. You know what he's doing right now? What's he doing? He's working at Cookout. Back at home. Work, cookout? out, he, of he went people? home. He didn't graduate, though. He just didn't feel like it. Or was, was, that, was the environment just well, we, not working that. You know no, we talked about GPA. So in my mind, 4.5, he going to be good. But when he got there, he got into other stuff, and that GPA didn't matter.
0: Yeah, that kind of sounds a lot like my brother, in a sense. Don't want to put his, like, business out there. But, you know, he was really, really, he did really well in high school. But when it came to college, you know, which is it's really not his fault. Because it's like, you know, the way our high school was set up, like, we didn't really have good programs for biology or chemistry. Which is why even I struggled when I stepped out when, it, when I was in community college trying to shoot for, like, a pharmacist degree and everything. That's why it's really good to kind of look inward to kind of figure out what's good for yourself. So you
1: said something. So I think it's a fault and responsibility. It ain't your fault. That you go to a messed up school, but it's your responsibility to do what you gotta do to finish. And so, when we're talking about black men, we gotta look at fault versus responsibility. Mm -hmm. Stop faulting and take responsibility for what you need to do. No matter what you are, we already know the system. We already know that the system affects minority males a whole lot. We already know that. So, who responsibility? Is it their responsibility to fix it? Mm -hmm. In that case, they would never create the system. So. It's your responsibility to take the actions and do what you got to do. I look at it around here in this neighborhood, right? We got a lot of shootings and killings. But it's a community college right down the street. Mm -hmm. If Ray Ray is good at uh, working on cars and stuff, like, bro, you know what? You like antique cars? Let's go down here and learn how to paint cars. And that's when dudes like us say, you know what? We're going to sign a contract with your brother. You go get your painting degree. We're going to invest into your shop for the first four years. We are getting twenty five percent of the profit, then after that we make our money back. We make some profit. We turn it all over to you. That's where education meets the real world, and no GPA is needed for type stuff like that. That's collaboration. That's what this man's achievement center is about. Like all of y'all should be have met somebody that in the future y'all gonna be breaking bread with or be friends with. So that's what I'm looking at with this.
0: Oh, yeah. No, surely. No, definitely. That fault versus responsibility is, is definitely something, man. Like, that's really something to look... I feel like we we as black men, as a community, need to, like, look deeper into. Because I feel like it's not really, like, us in a sense. Because we are underneath some form of system that doesn't want us to succeed at all. Which makes, you know, struggling just that much harder. You know, to be the black, to be a black man in America, I feel like it's nothing, nothing much harder. I feel like there's more pressure on us than, like, most people on the planet. You know, but it's just like when it comes to just the whole concept of fault versus responsibility and how it pretty much applies even in our life day to day, even even in mine. Yeah, like a lot of things happen in my life that are just out of my control yeah, and everything. But it's your responsibility
1: yeah. to fix it. So, the, yeah. for instance, if I reached over from this counter with this interview and I slapped you, mm? then I slap you again, right? And I just keep slapping you. Mm? So what's your responsibility? I mean, I, will I slap back or do I just learn some your martial
0: Your responsibility to just...
1: slap back or move out of the way, right? Yeah. If I'm you keep standing and let me slap you, who fault is that? Mine. Yes, so it's the same thing. So we look at the system that keeps slapping us. Well, we'll keep going somewhere and keep slapping you in the face. Mm-hmm. It's your responsibility to do something about it. And I'm not, i in 2021 and from now on, I'm, like, I'm not hearing the excuses. These minority men got to get their act together. The same way you, we can't be out here celebrating failure. We do that a lot. Like you know, it's a club on Thursday night, and you go out there and have a great time, and you ain't do none of your work. You celebrating failure. Now, if you worked all week and got your work done, you go and you go to the party and you celebrate. I can respect that, cause the work is done, and you celebrating the stress or whatever. I can get down with that. But just celebrating failure. And you know, at every set, and that, that's your responsibility to handle. Like, can't fault nobody for that. Don't blame the school. Don't blame. I hate when people say this school. No, it ain't. The school is a building. Mm-hmm. It's services around here. You gotta take advantage of. You
0: definitely gotta take advantage of for sure, and everything. And just like we all have the same twenty-four hours, regardless. It's really just a reflection of how you want to invest in it, or yourself, or however you want to do. Uh, with whatever minutes you want to spend it on. You know, some people don't want to just focus on school. They want to just go and party and everything. And, you know, to each his own, you know, get whatever experience you want to do. But it's like at the same time, you, I feel like when it even comes to decision making, you know, I feel like a lot of your decisions at the present really is going to reflect on how things is going to turn out for you in the future and stuff of that nature. Like, you know, if you like, hey, like you're probably obese or you're overweight and everything in the present. And then like instead of going to the McDonald's or Cookout Instead, you decide to just go probably, you know, maybe I could drop by a Whole Foods. Maybe I can start that Planet Fitness uh, subscription, you know, see what's up. Maybe build a plan and then keep consistent with it months later. Next thing you know, you drop like 50 pounds. Like it's nothing. It's just a matter of consistency, like what you're willing to invest in. You know, like there was once a point I never would have thought I would see like honor roll student and my name like next to each other. I never dreamed I would even be like on the dean's list or honor roll student. I never thought that because it's like I just thought it was just part of me. Maybe school just wasn't my thing or well, whatever. Why is that? <laughs> um, and it's just that's just kind of how well was and I don't want to say indoctrinated into me. They but broke
1: your that broke your back early on. It? I mean,
0: they my father. My father wasn't there, man. I was I was free. I was pretty much uh, a sitting duck essentially. And, and
1: you know, one of the easiest men to break is a man without a father. No, really, this is the Basically, truest thing ever. one because you know, for me. My cousins in the street, so I ain't had no daddy like you need to be in the house at eleven o'clock. Mm. I'm out, but I seen some things they were doing. I seen them getting money, so they influenced me. Mm. So black men, minority men, we can be leaders or followers. Mm. And you can follow something bad, like for, gang, for instance, a gang. If I was if I was in a gang and you like what I saw, I'm leading you. Not saying it's positive. You bought into whatever I'm selling. You see me as a leader or something. Mm-hmm. So vice versa. So with us. We got to. We had to make a decision with yourself. Mm. Am I gonna tap into my full potential, or am I gonna bullshit my way and think I'm gonna get to the top? Cause there ain't no way. Ain't no easy way to the top, or wherever you're trying to go. So mm. you can. That's I think. Society and social media got our black men, our minority men thinking that they can take a shortcut. There ain't no shortcuts, man.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It ain't none. We don't have that. We will not have that. 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 Uncle who works at the Fortune 500 company, so when you graduate college, you already got a, a job or an intern in there. Like, we don't have them shortcuts all the time. But we can build those. That's what this mm-hmm. program is about, build yeah. those. So, like, you get out you like, okay, T, my son about to graduate. I see you work at the Pentagon. Here criminal justice Major. What you got for him? That's how we get our people to the table. Trusting That's why you build these network. networks. Y'all are one of the biggest networks you'll, never, you'll ever know. It's been over like 2,000 young men come through this program over the last 10 years. And these young men are principals, doctors, lawyers. So if you don't use this network, that's on you. That's your fault. Mm Right? Right?
0: all comes down to responsibility, man. That's for sure, man. I know my father kind of went through it for a lot and everything, you know, so I don't want to go too deep into stuff, but, you know, make a long story short, let's just say the divorce wasn't very good on his end and everything. Uh-huh. Yeah, I ended up losing his doctorate license and stuff, and, uh, you know, uh, gladly right now he's in a very good position. He makes a whole lot of money um, in uh, Virginia area. Yeah. He actually works at a nonprofit business, which he's trying to help me uh, gain a position on creative and everything so it's just like just like that so it's just like you know me and my father kind of was a strange at one point especially in my high school years and middle school years it so kind of grew strange but I feel like now while transitioning as a man I feel like he's really helping me like kind of like Find some form of stability. Not only just that, but actually prepare me in a sense. Like, imagine it's just like you know, he already has a position set up with me on uh, creative for his uh, Samda nonprofit business and where they pretty much send vehicles back uh, to Liberia and stuff of that nature. And it really just goes to show that even as black men, no matter like where, how much adversity we go through, like there's always like a light at the end of the tunnel. There's always going to be struggles and everything, um, but there's always going to be a light on the, at the end of the tunnel in a sense. I know you've spoken a lot about just how, like, pretty much uh, how pretty much uh, black boys are pretty much vulnerable without their fathers and their lives in the system and everything. I understand you have a son yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, in what ways do you pretty much like indoctrinate, like, some of your beliefs and values and try to, like, you know, protect him, in a sense? Like, how do you, like, your father? Well, I mean,
1: him? my son is a clown. He just like me. I was a class clown. He was. I see it in him. I see everything in him. But Every morning, I tell him I love him. I hug him. We have a, a affirmation like, "What are you not? Not a follower? What are you? I'm a leader." Every day, every morning, the chance can be wanting to meet me at eight o'clock. I'm gonna take my son to school. I am make sure he get on the bus. I don't give a damn, because that's that belongs to me, right? So, my supervisor know my son come first before any of that, you know. So, that's what you got to instill. Like I didn't have that, so I realized. Like, last night, I left work early. Guess what I did? I went to coach his basketball team. I'm spending time. I'm teaching him responsibility. I'm teaching him what it takes to be a man. And so that's what you got to see. You got to – you can't just talk it. You got to show him. So we read books. My daddy never read no books with me. Last night, After we left basketball practice, we had to jump on the call and join the Boy Scout meeting. And so, like, he been busy, right? He didn't have time to look at nothing on the computer that was negative. So doing while we're doing Boy Scouts – I had him leading the Boy Scout meeting, reading to the kids. So, like, I'm putting him in position so he won't be scared. He won't be vulnerable. He'll speak his mind. He'll go in classrooms. Like, you know, and now he is selling in the classroom. So, and that's all about time and confidence because he know, damn, my daddy showed me I can do this. And he, he'll go in He'll own the child. I, I take him to the jumpy parks on purpose when it's slam packed, and I throw him in there by himself. Going out, they be playing dodgeball. And I teach him a lesson. Some of these kids gonna come with three or four friends. You come here by yourself. Now, how you gonna navigate this dodgeball, this jumpy house where everybody's following you? It never fails. Every time we go in there, all the kids be running behind him. He he learned to go in there. He has confidence. He didn't turn. You know what I'm saying? So everybody start following him, and that's because me pushing him and like you a leader, man. You you don't let nobody tell you nothing. So. It's just life lessons that I teach him. So he he'll go in any room now and talk. You ever seen when I brought him here? He be oh trying, yeah, he be trying to run with the big guys 'cause he's his mind his mentality is, is more advanced. I'm teaching him like he's still a kid though, I'm not rushing him out of his childhood, but you got boys have to be prepared.
0: No, really. that's actually good that you actually indoctrinate a lot of this like into his daily day to day lives and everything. Because it's like, you know, he is at a malleable age where it's like, you know, the mind is just it's very malleable. And it's it's good to just try to like, I don't want to say form, but like probably more kind of prepare in a sense. Like, you know, a lot of these uh, practices and these values are instilled into him. It's good to pretty much instill it to him as best as we can or as best as you can. Um, I know, like, for me growing up and everything, my main issues is just kind of, like, learning how to be more assertive when it comes to, like, my values and my space and my boundaries and stuff of that nature, because it's like I grew up in a home where it's like the moment you show, like, emotion, like any type of emotion, it was held against you, like, you know? And you could just be indifferent, and it would be like, you know, it's just like, oh, you're catching an attitude. So it's like, you know, oh, growing up, you kind of you become very, like, passive. You try to be, like, a people pleaser, in a sense. You kind of, like indoctrinate uh, in the sense of just trying to keep the peace as best as you can. And it's just like, you know, I feel like that's one of the things, like, you know, having like a father not in the household is that's that's just like one of the side effects that comes with it and everything, you know, black masculinity. I know I spoke with Alejandro is something that uh, I feel like it's uh, under attack, especially in our society and everything. And I feel like when you make spaces like this, the Men's Achievement Center, uh, where it's like, I don't want to say you nurture, but it's like you instill certain like seeds that really kind of help us yeah, kind of yeah. regain a sense of masculinity that was lost. I, would, the say, I, yeah, would, I, I would, would say, say it's a
1: place for nurturing. Like All these brothers that's in this building grew up differently, right? Yeah. And you best believe they're learning off each other, right? Mm-hmm. Good and bad habits, let's be honest. But you see some kids that work well in different spaces because their family structure was a little bit different. But that's okay. That's what it's about. You have to find people you can learn. Every day you go in this world, you're supposed to learn something. If you go a whole 24 hours and didn't learn nothing, that's your fault. Like, I learn from y'all. I be around y'all. like, And I go in rooms and, and speak on national levels just about this. People are calling me wanting to know, how are you keeping these guys engaged? Because I tell them, Yeah, I'm Dr. Heath, but that don't matter right now. You know, I can be cool with them. I can step down to their level, joke and laugh, but I can get to another level too where they understand, okay, it's business, right? So a lot of people don't do that. They want to be whoever I am with these plaques on their wall. Them kids don't give a damn about that. It's all about the time and how you make somebody feel. That's what they remember. So that's the work I do, man. So I say for you, keep doing the podcast, man, and... um, you know, being a doctor, that's something. It's a hell of an accomplishment, right? You know, when you go in rooms and you see other people who might look down and you have to call you by that name, it's just, it's not that you're bragging in their face, you're like, give me my respect, you know?
0: You just got to set that boundary, man. It's like, you know, uh, you know. It's like, yeah, sure, I may, like, be an employee or I may be, like, whatever. uh, But it's, like, in the sense, yeah, I still deserve my respect just like everybody else, in a sense, yeah. And it's just, like, I know it's just within the system and everything. I know Dr. Umar does, like, speak about, like, trying to make, like, more predominantly, like, schools like this. Like, NCC, like, HBCU type of schools for, like, like you know, high school and stuff of that nature, you know, Um, with a certain, Well,
1: I mean, yeah. that's my thing. Like, we can't. Totally isolate ourselves, right? I mean, that's I argue with people that all the time. Like, yeah, I love the HBC, we need it, but we can't just isolate ourselves from the real world, right? Mm. While we're over here isolated, it's big corporations coming to do. While we're over here isolated, it's big. You hear what I'm saying? We just started seeing big money donated. Was that due to George Floyd and everything else that happened? Or while we was over here isolated to a sense, it was people coming in and and they was really getting 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 off, like finding jobs and careers. So like I should, that ain't how the real world works. You gotta deal with all types of people.
0: Oh uh, no, truth. Truth. But it's like, I don't know. Even my experience, man, I went to predominantly white schools and I'm I'm saying it's, it's just like true. after after the middle school or maybe elementary school.
1: So, so you still broke. They still they still got your joy.
0: Uh not saying that they still got my joy. I'm just saying it's a work in progress to kind of unravel. Oh, Like, I'm 23 and everything, and I feel like I'm starting to get my bases back academically. But I feel like I need to fix myself spiritually, for one. So, as you you
1: you still dwelling in that, right? How many of them kids from that middle school give a damn? Uh, None. Exactly. So, that's my point. So, that's your responsibility to move the hell on. You at HBCU, get what you're going to get and move on. Mm -hmm. It's over with. If you sit here laying in that mud, your ass ain't going to never dry off you going to never get up, and that's what I had to do. I used to fight. I used to be angry. One day I'm like, I'm tired of carrying this shit. I don't know if your podcast is rated PG, but sorry. But I'm tired of it. I got tired of carrying everybody's weight, and I got my joy back. So for you and whoever else listens to this podcast, damn the system. Mm. Be your own system. Mm. I got seven... Uh, incomes that come in mm. outside of Central because I hustle. I do what I got to do. Like, yeah, I got a degree. If Central walked me off this campus today, I'm going to find me another hustle. Mm. You know, I ain't too good to wash dishes and none of that. So I don't care about what the system says. I beat the system. I'm, I'm 2% in the world with this doctorate degree and I'm first gen. Mm. So we talking about a system, bro. I beat it. So we, I, I mean, you know,
0: Seriously, 2%? Sorry to cut your a 2%? 2% black matter doc- doctors? Really?
1: Just 2%? percent at that. I'm, I'm in the 2% of the world.
0: Word. 2%. That's like, dang, 98, what, what is 98% of us doing? That's, that's, that's bad. That's real bad.
1: Get your four-year degree and say, you know, I'm out. I ain't never going back to school. How you thought you was going to get that big job you thought? You know, I'm going to go to the feds. But then you quit school and don't want to go all the way through, bro, the feds are just going to call you because you got a four-year degree.
0: And grad got- school is only two years, right?
1: Yeah, you got to see it through, right? Right.
0: Let's get it through man. So, the thing is it's like what really motivates me with grad school, even as it is, is just I want to keep testing my limits to really just see how far I can go anyways. Cause it's like, you know, I didn't really expect the momentum I'd get to even get this far until I got in there, I rediscovered, like, oh wow, I really am capable. Let's see what I can do, like at this stage in my life. And everything in a different environment again and stuff of that nature. Just two years for grad school, man. Like I'm twenty three, two years, old, I'll be twenty five. Imagine me with my my masters, and then I always have to do it just pretty much focus on getting my doctorates. I'd probably get my doctorates in my 30, early 30s and stuff like that. And I'd still have time for the rest of my life to do whatever it is I feel and stuff of that nature. So it's like I just keep things like that in mind. It's just like, you know, we're trying to break generational curses and stuff. I just feel like it's not a coincidence that just two generations ago, like my grandfather was like literally just a hunter, a literate hunter in like Liberia. Couldn't read nothing and everything. And now right. his son Educated, and now his grandson, look at me doing what I do and everything, and then seeing like you know just what the patterns are gonna lead to further on. It's just like it's all a work in progress, it but is. it's just like, it, yeah,
1: it's a work, but I'll leave you with this before we close out is that in life, you got choices, man, you know I call it the lottery DNA you can't choose who family you was born in, you can't choose who your parents were. that's just life, right? you could have been born to. Magic Johnson dead, Michael Jordan, you know, Bezos could have been your daddy, whoever, right? You didn't have no trust in that, but that's not you can control. But you can control everything that you do with your life and the type of things you get into. Everybody have free will. And, you know, during slavery and all that, we didn't have free will. You know, we couldn't move like we wanted to, but they still, mentally, they didn't let them break them. Physically, they was broken. Mentally, they still kept some of their cultures and all that, then eventually, you know. But I'm just saying this fault and responsibility, that's just the key to this thing. Mm-hmm. You're responsible for, for taking your actions, man, you know. I seen my mom get shot in the head. I could have gave up then, could have went and killed that man. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I had another player.
0: I had to be motivated, man. Can't let diversity yeah. break you to that point, man at all man it's like that's very inspiring man it's crazy how we all just have a story basically that pretty much leads us to the dance of like education in general and everything, you know, it's just like, I ain't, I had two options basically like in community college. Like, you know, I already messed up at one community college. I, I my mom's was thinking about me just being a nurse. And it's just like, I didn't know if I wanted to deal with, like people with, like smelling bad and everything. It's just, it just wasn't my type of environment. So I just had to take a chance of rowing to Cabarrus Community College. And I had to drive there and just had to switch my whole mindset, separate myself from the group of people I was hanging out with that weren't very good for me at all. And then next thing you know, I'm here right now, about to graduate. You know, my mom's trying to set up the place to uh, set up, like, a rental space for my graduation party.
1: Still trying to well, do this and everything. You know, If you want
0: to come, you can come if you want.
1: Invite me, man. You made it. So just be thankful and control what you can control. Mm-hmm. That's all. I'll leave you with that, man. I think this is a great interview. You know, you know, we can do a uh, uh, number two, you know, if, if you want to. Just get back with me. And we'll go from there. All right? All right. That's all, all right. good. That's all
0: good. I'd like to thank you, Dr. Heath, for hopping on. Thanks for the conversation. And are you sure you ain't got nothing else you want to
1: leave for, like, the audiences? No, I think I said enough, man. You know, I feel like uh, minority males have the power to really change the game. It's just up to us to tap into our true potential, man. that's Once you tap in, you become a gladiator. You become that... Thanos that you be seeing, like they can't stop you, man. I go in any room and talk my shit and don't care, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's all I got.
0: It's funny how he said gladiators and then Thanos, like two completely different names. Which one
1: you want to be, gladiator, (laughs) X-Man, Superman, whatever, right? So you gotta look at it like that. Most definitely, it all comes down to
0: rebuilding the mindset. Uh, You know, Be water or whatever Bruce Lee said. And stuff of that nature But yeah So that goes there For episode 45 I'd like to thank you Dr. He For hopping on I really appreciate it You know You've really left me With a whole lot of knowledge In my time here at NCCU I appreciate I really appreciate Those community service hours too For real Like I was really Really trying to figure out How I was going to get those um, Set up this month And everything You know I really appreciate Your mentorship You and Sean Andrews I know Sean Andrews Actually did another episode uh, Have really shown me Like another side Of a black masculinity as a whole and I really do appreciate it so I thank you for that.
1: Alright brother well thank you for the
0: opportunity. Alright cool and there goes it for episode 45. We are sewing in now sewing out.